1: They're not in it for the money. They're not in it for the loo. No, this is something else entirely, honey. They're in it for blood. Blood. <laughs> say what you will about blood suckers from motherfucking outer space, but the soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack, This movie is an unexpected delight. And at least that I can say for bloodsuckers from motherfucking outer space, Troy. Whew. (laughs) It has its
0: own theme song. We have talked about how much I love films with their own theme song. And and this one. Yeah. I mean, it's a song. Does it it hold Uh, up
1: to the the idea that a a good theme song makes a good movie? Would you say? (laughs) I don't.
0: Okay. I'm going to need you to, you to explain to I think not only me, but to our unsuspecting view, uh, audience who may have not seen this film because it's so obscure. I had never heard of it before, before you brought it up. I need you to explain why you chose this specific title of all the titles that I'm sure are on your list of films to cover. Roger good
1: things, you know um, why this specific one, you know, <sighs> I've got this weird, really weird story about this film. And I think it it really is part of the charm about why I've been wanting to cover this episode. Because I knew this movie would be horrible. But as a child, you know, much like yourself, I I know you've expressed this before. Like, I definitely grew up roaming the halls of of a blockbuster video, you know, or um, just, you know, like going to my library and just, you know, stocking up on on horror movies that was really my first major exposure to the genre and even before i was brave enough to watch the films i was so like enchanted by the vhs cover art and then the poster art and all of those things would just they had such an allure we've talked about that as well including in some of our patreons and so I don't know how the fuck this movie managed to snake its way into my local blockbuster. Like, I don't know. I don't know who saw this and thought, "Hmm, yep, that's a title that people are going to be demanding. Um, But somehow, some way, Bloodsuckers from Outer Space managed to claim a spot on the shelf. And the, the poster art, I remember, like, as a child... The visuals that they selected for the box art, which are not the poster that I have seen used normally, which is extremely <laughs> ineffective, uh, it makes makes the monsters look even worse than they do in the actual film. Um, but the the poster art that or the 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 VHS art that they had for this specific copy was significantly more effective, and and just some of the images they selected scared the fucking bejesus out of me as a child. I was horrified by this VHS cover art and i never had the chance to watch the movie and like actually expose myself to this visual that i actually found quite terrifying um i never actually got to experience the film until uh leading up to this episode so i thought that was kind of a cool uh kind of nostalgic like throwback moment for me like i remember so vividly that that goddamn kate and that goddamn hair (laughs) like it's just like that visual of her uh used to scare the shit out of me so it was really cool visiting this movie. Um, as as a grown man uh, with no real actual understanding or level of expectations of what to anticipate. Um, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> was it an experience, an experience to remember.
0: <laughs> it's interesting that it was on your blockbuster shelf because I swear to God, I've never heard of this film. When you brought it up, I'm like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of such things. It exists, folks. And before you continue with the episode, you may want to go check it out. It's on Tubi, or you may not. Just it's,
1: <laughs> it's your choice.
0: <laughs> it's your choice. We've we've covered some some. I would say we've covered some bad movies on this podcast. Um, something like Bloody Murder, which was my choice. We cover that. It's a piece of shit movie, but at least Roger, at least there's a, a cohesive story, and it's entertaining. <laughs> I will just be frankly brutal with you. This is one of the worst movies I've seen in my entire life. I almost hate you for making me watch this. When I had to when I had to when I had to like sit down to like watch it again to take notes, I was pissed. I was pissed. I was like fuck this.
1: good 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 this is exactly what i want <laughs>
0: bless us for covering it because i can't imagine anybody else is else's
1: <laughs> <laughs> honestly like this is you know i like to think like what do people come to our podcast for that sets us apart <laughs> this is this is going to be the defining factor we're going to have this to offer people uh, but you know what don't tell me you don't have a good review in there. I know you do, Troy. I know I know that you've got you've got some scathing commentary on this movie. Cause yeah, listeners, let me tell you, if you're going in blind on Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, just
0: Can we okay, can we stop there? Just listen, can we stop and say that the title itself is bullshit? The Bloodsuckers aren't from Outer They okay. I don't know. Um, Maybe I missed something. I know. Okay. We're going to get there when we talk about the the film itself, I guess. But even the the bloodsuckers from outer space. See, I was expecting like aliens, right? And it's really not an alien film. It's like, oh, this wind or something (laughs) envelops people and then it sucks their blood out. And then they get up and turn into bloodsuckers. So the bloodsuckers are now from outer space. So are already the fucking titles stupid. stupid. Um, I cannot be more pissed off at a movie <laughs> as I am right now. Just thinking about it. Just thinking about this fucking movie. I am pissed. I am fucking pissed, Roger.
1: Oh my God, man. This is, I, I could be more excited. I, and you know is. what? It's, um, it's, it's, it's
0: a regional Texas film, right? Um, there's been other, like, Texas, I guess, is a, is a is a state that's kind of known for some of these like indie, low, 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 low budget indie films that came out of the eighties. One that right away I, I think of as Nail Gun Massacre, um, which filmed in Texas, very regional. But again, as as lousy as that film is, there's a story in it that makes sense. It's there's an entertainment value value to it, and I just found everything about this movie was just lousy. Like I was not entertained at all. I did not crack or smile one time. Um, I know what it was trying to do. I get it. I know it's trying to make fun of the, the fifties and sixties sort of, um, you know, monster UFO alien flicks that we all know and love, but, but God damn the acting. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> There's not, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this movie,
1: but, <laughs> Detroit take a minute I mean my god you're, you're getting red in the face Over all of this C- Calm yourself down I don't want you to have an Aneurysm over this fucking title
0: Oh <laughs> uh, okay Bloodsuckers from Outer Space I don't know should we just Should we go right into
1: it and listen, guys. If we're we're giving you this, you can at least give us a fucking five star review with a with a goddamn rating. I mean, for this one alone. Oh my God, we are
0: one. <laughs> we are one. We are one rating on Apple Podcasts away from having fifty. That's 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 pretty big for us. You know, we fifty mm-hmm. fifty rate fifty ratings would be would be fabulous. You know, we're we're just we're just me and Roger. We don't have the backing of you know a uh, of oh, 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 large horror site or, or, you know, whatever behind us, it's just me and Roger doing this. And so f- f- to, to be able to build a fan base and have people actually respond positively up to the podcast, we love, that's why we are so active in the Facebook group. And that's why we, we tell you guys all the time, we appreciate you listening. And I, and I cannot stress that, that enough with this particular episode, we appreciate you listening because <laughs> God damn, Oh,
1: Listen, I will tell you though, guys, if, if there's ever an episode that I would say, if you're going to fucking watch it, watch it, like watch it and then come listen to us talk about it because I'll tell you, we've got thoughts and we've got opinions and um, it is a horrible film. It is a truly horrible film.
0: I thought, you know, I I, I, I would zoom it up there. I, I will say, you know, people ask me all the time or I see posts all the time about, oh, what's, what's the her- worst horror film you've ever seen in your life? I have to... If people sit there and say, no, but people sit there and say things like, oh, um, Rob Zombie's Halloween, or oh, Hereditary, or oh, The Witch, fuck you. If you're going to say one of those movies is the worst movie of all time, you, ladies or gentlemen, have not seen very many horror films. Trust me there, because this one (laughs) literally skyrocketed to probably number two on my list of worst horror movies of all time. Number one, Roger, will always be this film called axum when i i don't know if anybody remembers it's it's called axum it's fucking awful worse than this if you can imagine but there are some terrible films out there maybe i'm exaggerating i don't know but this is definitely one of the worst films i've seen and I, i knew right away like When the film started, just like I I could tell I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be major amateur hour in every respect. And it really is like the first five minutes of the film is just this old farmer just going doing mundane tasks. You know, we get a five minute segment of him fixing a fence. He's feeding his horse. What is his horse? Buck. I mean, it's literally five minutes and the, the sound quality is terrible. You could the sound is going in and out. When all of a sudden, I, I guess a wind comes and blows him <laughs> and all of a sudden he just starts like puking up blood, which actually pretty cool looking. I mean, the amount of blood they made this poor old man puke up was pretty significant. <laughs> but then it's all ruined when he like looks up and he's has that blue makeup on and he stares right into the camera and goes. Rawr, rawr. Right into the camera. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm getting into now. If it would have kept some sort of, if it would have kept a little bit of that sort of, and I don't even want to say momentum because again, this is five minutes of a man fixing a fence, but if it would have kept that sort of, I guess, payoff throughout the film, I would maybe not have minded it so much, but the issue I have with this film is there's no cohesion to it. It's jumping around. Um, to trying to figure out what the what the kind of like storyline is is absurd. Characters are not reacting to the way I would think you would react if your town was being invaded. You know, if you were finding blue dead bodies drained of their blood, laying all over your streets, I would think I would be taking it a little more seriously. There's just no sense of like, okay, you know when you can you watch films and you know they're not the best films or, or they're they're bad quality, but what can save them? And I think we, we, we as indie filmmakers see this a lot. What can save them is you can see like the passion behind the filmmaker or the passion that the filmmaker has for the project and the passion that the actors have for the project is palpable. If you can tell these that they're having fun with the material because they know it might not be the best, that could that could remedy a film. It can help it. This one, these people Looked miserable. They did not want to be in this film. <laughs> no,
1: they did not. A few things. First of all, I think one of the biggest letdowns about this movie is while, like, yes, there are definitely blood suckers in this film, sucking blood. Is there? Um, is there? They're not what I would call effective. I mean, but that's the thing. They're not necessarily effective. The real villain of this film is is the wind. Uh, this wind force. That is that is I guess the alien force is this wind that's just literally shots of people getting <laughs> getting hit with like a, a leaf blower to the face <laughs> like that's what it is there's moments where people are like oh my god <laughs> the wind just blowing them and they're just like so overwhelmed but that's like they don't even like throw leaves into it or anything it's just people like with their hair, <laughs> their hair like billowing and it's just it's so bad. It's so bad. But um, so it makes you, you. It does leave you wanting more in the sense of the actual blood suckers. Like God, I, I wish. You're right. I wish it took some notes from its opening. At least maintained that kind of um, pacing. Because th- let me tell you. I mean. I've never seen so many shots of people walking up a driveway and into a front door in my whole life. (laughs) Like, I mean, this movie is just chock full of, like, just long shots of people doing tedious shit. It's most of the movie, really. And so it gets real blasé. And, I mean, speaking of blasé, like, you're talking about the responses, the reactions we're getting from people. Holy shit, I've never seen a film in which people were, less terrifying my whole life like there is something big going on in this town people are sucking blood i mean people they've got some skin that looks like they were just on the set of the titanic floating in that giant pool that they filmed all the people freezing to death you know what i'm talking about it looks like a a real cheap knockoff version of those people with veins on their face um and and like You know, they're kind of like zombie-like, but they still have like the ability to like talk and converse. So there's absolutely no actual like scare factor to them. I look to a film kind of based off the note that you're just saying about like looking for passion in a project, especially a low end, like a low budget project. When you see the devotion and the passion and just like the grit, when you can see that in a film, it can really help. The overall experience make it a lot more enjoyable because you're like, God, at least they're fucking like putting their all into it. And I look at a movie like Mutant, a film that we covered, same basic era, uh, same basic concept. It's a siege film. I love a siege film. Give me a a demon or a zombie or the crazies, anything like that. It's so easy to make a movie like that scary. It's really not <laughs> – like it's it's not requiring a lot because there's a fucking high volume of creatures and you don't have to do a lot with them. But this film really wastes that opportunity and, and it ends up being a very just overall like tedious, boring experience. That's not to say there aren't a few moments where I'm going to dig real deep and look for a few scenes here where I'm like, okay – I could, I could have, I could see this working in some context. I, did it work? Not necessarily, but I'm really going to try to reach for a few compliments here. But overall, woof. <sighs> is this what our movies look like to people? <laughs> like, is this what our movies look
0: reading? Like? IMDB, p- quite possibly. Good lord. Um, but no, I'm you mentioned mutant. One film, Roger, that kept coming to my mind when I was watching this, and it was like, God, if they would have. And we get if they would have taken some of uh, notes from this film and applied it to this, because it reminded me, you know, the small town, you know, people being changed into like it reminded me a lot of the children. We covered that not too long ago. If they would have went that route, this movie could have been a lot more effective. The problem with this movie, Roger, and I'm just going to say it, whoever wrote the script thinks they're a fuck of a lot funnier than they are. The, the, the script has all of these comedic little quips in it that just don't work. And what ends up happening is tonally the film is all over the place. I don't know if this is supposed to be like a horror movie, a, sci-fi, a serious horror movie or a sci-fi movie. Are we supposed to be like getting scared of this? Is it a comedy? Because right away after this opening scene, we get the theme song, which this does have a very 80s synth theme song. Suck your blood. They want blood. But then we cut to the scene where we are introduced to who ends up being the main character, um, Jeff. Kind of a wet blanket. I mean, I, I don't, I could give a shit less about Jeff. There's nothing about this character that's ever established that I'm like, oh, okay. I feel, we, but we're stuck with his goofy-looking ass the entire film. Uh, but there's also cops and and whatnot because what end up happening is they found two dead bodies in the middle of the field, and these aren't just like. Dead bodies that are, you know, just laying. These bodies are blue, discolored, pus and blood is coming out of them. These fucking people could not act less bothered by this. <laughs> not only that, you get this fucking Buford, racist, homophobic Buford, who right away blames it on the homos. The, uh, what's he say? The, uh, the, uh, the Nazi home. Devil, devil, devil worshiping homos. Devil worshiping homos. And not only does he, <laughs> very homophobic he also throws the n-word <laughs> out too so i mean but it's trying to be like it's trying to be comedic because he has this line where he's like i'm gonna say what i say i'm gonna think what does he say if i got something to say i'm gonna say what i gotta say and i got something to say and it's like and then it people are like reacting to him real weird Um uh, but they none of these people are even batting an eye that there's these discolored dead bodies on the f- ground. Not even the reporter. Like, isn't Jeff supposed to be like a reporter? He's a photographer for the newspaper. Don't you think he would be like taking pictures, being like, fuck, we, what? The go-? No, nothing is. It's like, it's like they literally found a discarded Big Mac on the ground. And they're like, oh, who threw that there? I mean, it, that's the react. Yeah, it's so fucking right. And the comedy, see, I'm getting worked up. The comedy is, it just falls <laughs> fucking flat. I mean this Buford guy, and then
1: there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack because yes, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to come at it with a positive. Let me try to be positive here. One thing I appreciate is that they this movie wastes no time getting the meat and potatoes of things like this movie. <laughs> You come out of the credits. There's already two bodies. Like you are in it. Um, I do appreciate the fact that that sheriff is eating ribs he, the entire he time. He throws
0: the rib. He throws the rib on the body before they leave.
1: Yeah. I mean, he he couldn't give two shits about the current situation. And one thing that I think is really overwhelming in this movie and uh, hard to follow is. Characters come and fucking go, and like you never see the sheriff again. Later on, you meet this gal named Pam, she becomes really important for a moment. Like, you just like you're thrown off. Like, it's not like there's any consistency with anyone within this town. And one thing I think, like, with a siege movie and something that they completely miss the opportunity with this film is like one of the best thing about siege films and the children, perfect example, Troy is like, you're going through the town, you're meeting all these people. And then you see them like one by one, how they meet their fate, how they fall like victim to what is this like spreading outbreak, whatever it may be. There's a great opportunity in that. in all of these films that we talked about that are successful, that's one of the best parts of, of, of this film. And the, this movie Decides to make a weird pivot to focus on a really heavy mel- uh, military element for a while that really, like, it. if this movie was already struggling, that really just sinks the fucking ship. Because the military aspect in this film is, it's really prominent. You meet all these fucking scientists. There's so many fucking characters uh, and it's just like more of that fucking nonsense comedy that you're talking about. And yeah. Like this, I guess it like promotes itself as like a comedy horror, but the comedy is really amateur and really like immature and it just doesn't add anything. I don't mind a good horror comedy, but this definitely does not pull that off. And so I, I guess like. It didn't even give a fuck about trying to actually succeed as a horror movie, and since the comedy is not landing, like it's like, what is it? What kind of experience is this giving me? I'm not getting anything out of this, you know.
0: No, I mean that's the film's problem. It, it, it should have chose, it should have chose specifically what it wanted to be, and yeah, the comedy is is honestly the worst part of the film. Like if they would have went straight serious with the film and the the the, the, the content of the film, it could have been. I mean, it was probably still wouldn't have been great because let's not gloss over all of the awful technical aspects of the film. Uh, you know, the film it looks terrible. Cinematography is bland as hell. The, the sound and sound mixing sound quality is terrible and the acting is horrible. There is not one competent actor in this entire film. So I'm not saying this film would have been great if it would have been strictly horror, but it would have been a lot less um, unbearable to get through.
1: I'll I'll build off that too. Another thing I look for in indies is at least like creative locations. I can't think of a more boring like backdrop to imagine than like rural like farmland in the middle of November with gray skies and barren fields and like <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing but dead trees and a competent filmmaker could probably take that that bleakness, that starkness and like lean into it, but this is not a copodge Team, Like, let's be clear. So you just get a lot of very flat shots with no depth, no texture. Really boring to look at. I've never seen um, a character. I've never heard a character in a film use the, the term homos more than this character manages to incorporate the word over the period of a minute. Like he's literally every other word out of this character's mouth is the word homos. Then, yeah, you're right. He throws the N word out there. And I'm like, whoa, like it's super aggressive. Um, It almost seems self-aware because they're not playing him out to be an intelligent character. And the other characters you can tell are kind of put off by him, but it's, so much like they're throwing it at you so hard that you can't help but be shocked by it um luckily they don't lean into that too much more over the course of the film
0: no and you don't see Buford again either and even yeah even the um the other deputy he's like Buford you are the you are the most ignorant gomer I've ever met in my entire life now you go home now and as as poor Buford I'm not saying poor Buford as (laughs) Buford As Buford is leaving, there's nothing p- poor about this character. He's an asshole. But as Buford is leaving, he turns around and he's like, I bet you're all homos. But yeah, we so we get introduced to Jeff, who, like I said, becomes our protagonist. Uh, he does have a, a short conversation with Sam, the Deputy Sam, about like what's going on. Sam tells him the bodies have been drained of blood, but they can't tell the public because it'll cause people to panic so instead when he when he writes the article he's to say that these this old couple that are that were found dead got lost in their car and died of the elements that's that's what we get now we cut away from this scene to this is this like a research lab i guess a hospital research lab i don't know what it is but
1: Troy, it's it's a high school. <laughs> like it's a it's a high school that they got for two days and you can tell they're really trying to push the idea that this place is like something important. But I'm telling you right now, like, this is a local community college. <laughs> like, it is not impressive at all. Um, they sure talk about it like it is, though. And it's called Research City, um, which even that is, like, weird. And, like, it's such a thing that they even, like, the scientists have, like, a Research City, like, embroidered on the backs of their lab coats in, like, cursive font, which seems, like, really, like, unprofessional for, like... <laughs> For like these, like l- high level scientists, like they sound like they're working on something really important. I don't they? know.
0: Well, here's the thing: is yeah, you get introduced to this group of doctors, and they're talking, and I don't even know what they're talking about. It's some bullshit X-ray they're looking at. But then we see that Ralph, who is one of the scientists, he goes over to this lab table, and there is Doctor Pace, who they have strapped down to this lab table, who is already a bloodsucker. Like he's already blue. He's already, we we don't know how he got that way, why he's that way, how they got him, but they have him. He's strapped down to this table and Ralph is threatening him and you know, Oh, you need to shut, shut up bloodsucker. I'll beat you. And and his partner BJ comes in and it's like, you're a, you're a high stakes researcher. Now, Ralph, you got to act like it. And he proceeds to give him some uh, like Prozac pills and and has him wash it down with some Jack Daniel's whiskey to to calm his nerves but i want i uh, why what is this deal with this doctor pace like it, it's it was so confusing that we're just introduced to this doctor he's already a bloodsucker i don't know i was kind of thrown off by it it also i wonder this movie came out around the same time return of the living dead did i believe 1980 is it 1984 i
1: think this came out the year before Return of the Living okay. Dead.
0: Okay, because I was wondering, there's some, there's a little bit of parallels between Return of the Living Dead and this one. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the ending for sure. But this oh, little yeah. scene with this, this doctor strapped to the table kind of reminded me of that. You know, the most famous part of Return of the Living Dead with that half corpse that's strapped at the table and they're like interrogating it. It's a very similar scene. But this doctor is like strap me, and we get this unexpected British broad. You know, that comes in and she's like, that's not for you to say. And he like pukes up on her. I don't know. Again, characters that ultimately end up being pointless. We spend a lot of time with them, but they're pointless.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, We do meet a character named Norman. Uh, He's the janitor. Holy line delivery, Batman. This is some of the worst line delivery I've ever heard from an actor in any film ever.
0: Weird. This
1: is something something's weird I, here. I, I hear the word weird one more time. I'm going to punch the computer. Like, I'm so I'm so sick of hearing this man say the word weird. It's like his running gag. Everything's weird. People are weirdos. It doesn't fucking land. It's super obnoxious. Uh, we also learn that the character of Ralph is also We eventually learn that he's Jeff's brother, which is, like, something that, like, could be a plot point that's explored, but in a film of this caliber, certainly not. I also am thoroughly convinced that whoever was cast to play Ralph quit last minute and they grabbed a PA and put a lab coat on him, (laughs) and he he is who we see in this movie, because, like, not only can he barely get a word out? Like he has to say some big words. Occasionally he's a scientist, The actor can't pronounce them. I think he's too fucking stoned. Um, But like, if you look at what he's wearing, like under his lab coat, like at least fucking put on, I don't know, a button up or something. This guy's in a fucking t-shirt and sensible tennis shoes and like saggy jeans. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, who is this man? Don't they have a level of professionalism? At least the the Australian woman or whatever she is. At least, at least she is elegant. Always taking off her glasses, looking fancy. This guy looks disheveled. Like he just wandered in from off the streets, which I think he probably did.
0: Well, and why is he so aggressive towards this doctor Pace? Like he's he does something. I mean, he's he's t- his whole thing is he's always trying to like kick the shit out of Dr. Pace when he's strapped to that table. It's not that fair of a fight, you know? Um, but yeah, the whole idea that he's Ralph's or that he's Jeff's brother, I really thought was going to become a major plot point that, you know, something was going to happen. Jeff realizes he has to get to this lab to save his brother. No, it's, it's literally folks don't expect any to have any relevancy to anything. It's just mentioned. And that's, that's kind of it. And it's a point to get, um, Jeff and his girlfriend or this other broad that we meet here in a little bit to get them to the hospital at the end, which again, no purpose, but we do then transition to a scene with Jeff going to his uncle Joe and perhaps the worst actress ever to exist. (laughs) This broad, you talk about somebody they can't get a line out, Roger. They threw a fucking dollar store wig on this woman, put her in a Moo Moo trying to make her look like Thelma Harper good grief she can't even
1: <laughs> the wig on this woman's head is the star of this show and don't tell me otherwise this wig <laughs> this is comparable to the the wigs we're going to be seeing in all the halloween stores here any week now it is one of the single worst wigs i've ever seen ever and i i but you
0: can you see you can see her real hair sticking out from under it's not even like they try to put it on correctly or give her a wig cap her real hair is like literally sticking out from under
1: it's a it's a bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> like like going, if you have such limited budget you shouldn't be wigging people if you don't need to be wigging them I thought maybe it was a, like actually like leaning into the humor of all of it um, which I mean like this woman does make me laugh unintentionally so uh, she's like looking at the camera with, <laughs> with fear in her eyes <laughs> like, she's, as she mutters her way through her very few lines uh, but I mean she's she's one of the stars in this one I'll say that she is a standout <laughs> <laughs> One way or
0: another. <laughs> yeah, but we find out that Je- it's Je- uh we find out that Jeff's parents died when he was a kid. He's been raised by his aunt and uncle. There's this whole thing where he mentions like, "Oh, Uncle Joe, you got a new satellite dish out front," and Aunt Kate's like, "Yeah, we get all those foreign shows too, but Joe won't let me watch them because he thinks it'll brainwash me. Oh, and he won't let me watch the Mexican ones either." I don't know why they're not communists. This is literally how this woman delivers her line. And I mean, ultimately this whole meeting is to again, something that what, what the fuck does this matter to the plot? Uncle Joe gives Jeff an ultimatum. He has to quit the newspaper job and come work for him on the farm, or he's not going to get his inheritance.
1: What kind of threat is that? Like who What family member throws that at somebody? Yeah, I don't know, man. It seems like like it seems like Jeff has like a job, like he's a photographer for the newspaper. Like, go fuck yourself, Uncle Joe. You can't fucking like force me to work for you, so I don't. So I get the inheritance that was left for me. Like, go fuck yourself. Um, and maybe if it was something that was explored more, again, it could be a, a plot point, much like the, the brother Ralph. But like, you hear about it. And it never comes back up. It doesn't play a factor at all. It, it has nothing to do with the storyline. It's like they're they're throwing out little bits and pieces of trying to develop this character, of Jeff. And the, the, the concepts, if they were properly utilized, could it probably have really developed his character to have a lot more purpose than he actually does. Because you don't get to see any of this shit really come to fruition.
0: That would involve a, a competent screenwriter, which this film does not have. Uh, but... They, they tell him to come back that evening for dinner with his decision. And Aunt Kate's like, come back at five for dinner. We got to give the boy a chance to make up his mind. And she just, yeah, you're funny. You're right. She stares at the camera. She like walks right in front. I mean, it's this woman, bless her heart. Uh, so <laughs> as he's, uh, as Jeff's driving away from his aunt and uncle's house, his car blows a tire and, you know, he tries to change it, but, what most people would probably do is this town doesn't seem like, I mean, I don't know. I can't get a geographical feel for this area, how big of an area this is, but like most of more people would just get out and walk to find, you know, somebody to help them, right? we we'll walk to the gas station later in the film. They get stranded and they walk to a gas station. Instead, Roger, he thinks it's a good idea to take a crowbar out of his trunk and proceed to beat the shit out of this car, <laughs> bash all the windows, the headlights, I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to sh- make this character likable, it's, this isn't the way to do it. Um, because what this shows me is he has a very short temper and it explodes very easily. It's not somebody I want to be around, but what winds up happening is you get this pleasant Julie who again, can't act her way out of a fucking paper bag. Um, she's pretty to look at, I guess. I mean, she's, this 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 film is full of homely people, homely people. <laughs> Julie, okay, I will take her because she's actually pleasant to look at.
1: You're right. I mean, it is it is one of the rougher looking casts. Like, you know, oftentimes when I see a film that's set in like in like rural Midwest, like I feel like they never fully truly capture the homeliness. <laughs> Some of these people, but this film—I mean, I'm, I'd be shocked if there are collected 18th amongst the entire cast <laughs> combined. Um, but you know what? Um, Julie's fine. I mean, she's fucking huffing, laughing gas <laughs> in the back of a car. Like, talk about a weird <laughs> plot twist to throw out there. It's utilized. It has to be. You're not going to put a fucking. Tank of nitrous oxide in someone's backseat, not incorporate that later on.
0: When this was revealed, I was again, I was like, I don't know. I probably hadn't said, okay, so we're like 15 minutes into the movie, and I probably had not said what the fuck more of any film I've ever seen in my life than the first 15. I was constantly like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? So he's into <laughs> in Julie's car, and there's some little banter. She's from Dallas, and she does make the quip because he's asking her, he asks her, what? What are you doing all the way out here? If you're from Dallas, and she's like, "Oh, I had to get away. My my Dallas is becoming another Houston, and I, I just had to get away." I just had to chuckle at that because I'm from Houston. I'm not from Houston, but as you, all of you know, I used to live in Houston, run the Houston Horror Film Festival, things like that. So I have ties to Houston. It is kind of funny because there was like a Houston-Dallas rival rivalry, but I didn't realize that was a thing back in 1984. But apparently, it was. But no, so yeah, and he and he tells her he's like, "Oh, well, it sounds like." You know, you could use some drugs to calm down. And she she offers him (laughs) nitric gas. So she has a nitric gas tank in the back of her car. And he literally like, okay, he sniffs it.
1: (laughs) Listen, if they would have presented this character as being like, I don't know, like kind of a hard ass or like a punk, like pink hair, I don't know, like maybe Make her a hooker or I, uh, something, you know, something. But this, well. she pulls up, she looks, I mean, okay, I know, I hear you. But she pulls up looking like someone you might see on a college campus. I don't know, just an average everyday broad. And she pulls up and then all of a sudden she offers him this fucking laughing gas out of nowhere. And it just seems like the weirdest character choice for her. It's not like she's some like kind of rebellious I mean, she does fuck him right away. I mean, she's she's a bit of a whore.
0: (laughs) Can we yeah? Can we say they fuck before they even know each other's names? And that was what was with this fucking scene, Roger. Okay, so let's get because again, my fiftieth what the fuck moment of the film. They get she takes him back to his house. He asks her if uh, she wants to come in and see his stamp collection. And I know I'm jumping ahead. This doesn't happen. There's a couple scenes before the sex scene, but since I brought it up, I'm just going to mention it now because it's a what the fuck. So they, they literally, they fuck like he's talking about how his parents died and like he has an ultimatum to make. And she's like, Oh, well it sounds like you're just trying to make a bigger deal out of everything than what you need to. She's like, you know what? Well, you know, it'll relax you. Right. And then she like gets on top of him. And what we, what happens is it cuts to the outside of the house I thought he was killing her. Like you hear, you hear her screaming, moaning, you hear like dishes breaking glass shattering. What the fuck? Again, it's something that I know they thought it was funny, but it's not. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is stupid, and it goes on for a long fucking time. Literally, the camera is <laughs> plastered straight on the house, and we were just hearing dishes breaking, moans, screams, crashes.
1: This is very much in line with like what you mentioned about the car. Like you have this whole moment where he gets really like destructive and destroys. Like it's not like it's like some old beater vehicle. It seems like for the era, like a fine car, and your tire just blew out. Okay, that sucks, but now you just fucking wrecked your whole like vehicle. Like that seems like a really big reaction and now yeah you got this whole big old sex scene i mean that girl she's walking away with a couple bruises from that i mean they're doing it all over the house and then they cut back inside and you see the aftermath i mean it is it is some wild aggressive homosexual man sex that they're having
0: yeah everything yeah tables are broken he's laying there in his tidy whiteies, you know and unfortunately they introduced themselves right then. She's like, oh, by the way, my name's Julie. I'm like, well, bitch, you probably should have told him that before you f-
1: let him shove his dick in you. Like, Troy. Just- Come on. Who are we to judge on this? Oh, my God. You t- you tell me that there aren't a few out there that you don't remember the names. I don't know.
0: I got – I might not remember the names, but I sure as hell got him before <laughs> I did anything.
1: I mean – I gave him a fake one. I just gave him a fake one if I didn't want him to know it. Hi, my name's
0: Paul. <laughs> no, you bend over and that's that's that. <laughs>
1: um, okay, so we cut to uh some
0: army guys. This is when the whole military thing kind of becomes a <sighs> prominent por- point of the film. So we get this car pulls up to the research city and the security guard will not let the uh, will not let them in without a password. So what we get is General Sanders gets out of the car and threatens the security guard with a with a gun, basically. He puts the gun he puts the gun to the security guard's face and says, You open the gate or, or I'll blow your brains out. And the security guard's like, Oh, yes, sir, that's the password.
1: Ooh. Let's talk about this sign, this research city sign. It's, it's
0: literally <laughs> printed out on a like a Microsoft Word document it just says research city in its a bold letters like it's like comic sans serif's font it's like oh my god it is it's
1: a very lackluster sign you would think for being such a prestigious place with military entrance that you would think that they would you know put some effort into it but not in this case not for this local community college setting they're really starting to with the with the military subplot especially is when they take the humor and they think they're just they think they're the funniest funniest thing that's ever been. I mean, they're just cracking jokes left and right, and not a single one is sticking. Like, this this General Sanders, who they really missed an opportunity not naming him Colonel Sanders, um, he is aggressive. He is very angry. He is trigger happy. He's always threatening people with handguns, uh, including when it comes down to eventually unleashing a nuclear bomb, which, like, he literally... <laughs> Is threatening people uh, to, to, who, are, who are trying to prevent him from blowing up an area of, of the country. Um, so it's a just really aggressive characters, too much humor, and too much bad humor.
0: Very bad humor. And I think what they were attempting to do as well was make him the villain of the film because he ultimately is villainous. I mean, what he ends up doing is dropping a nuclear bomb on this small Texas town, killing... <laughs> Poor Methodists. Not even the he doesn't even kill the bloodsuckers, but um that we'll get there, we'll get there. But like they 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 turn him into the villain. And uh, for a film that's called Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, the amount of time we actually spend with these bloodsuckers is very, very thin. And instead, we are, like you said, we're we spend a lot of time with this Colonel Sanders or General Sanders, and we spend a lot of time with these doctors. (laughs) I don't know, but he goes there to meet these doctors. And again, I'm trying to figure out like apparently. This is a big deal, right? Because now you have people from the United States government coming to this research facility to find out what's going on because they've heard about it. But like so far in the film, nothing has really happened that seems like it's that big of a deal. Like It's not like Night of the Living Dead where these things are roaming around and people are finding them and they're attacking people. Hardly anybody even knows about this. But, but we're, we're led to believe that this is such a huge thing that the government, the, the, the president of the United States knows about it. And he's sending a general to this facility to figure out what's going on. So the general gets in with the three doctors and they run into Norman, the janitor, who again makes the weirdos quip. He's like, there's too many weirdos. They're having weirdo babies that turn into weirdos. And as the general and the three doctors walk away, he looks into the camera and he's like, weirdos. Again, the filmmakers think having people look into the camera and wink or say something is hilarious because the amount of times they do it in this film.
1: The fourth wall does not exist in this film. Like By the end of this, you feel like you've had a conversation directly with some of these characters. They're looking into your eyes so much. Um, And it is... Not like they like do it like once and once or twice and that's the end of it. like they keep coming back to the same gags. like again, like with this whole weirdos thing they fucking beat the, the shit out of that dead horse to the point that like it wasn't even funny to begin with but my god, like I, I was cringing at the word after the fact like even having to fucking write it down, I was so sick of hearing weirdos um, uh, but yeah I mean the, everything to do with what's coming from this whole military science subplot feels really undercooked really undercooked and there's like little secondary characters that come into this in and out with all of this and they just they feel like they have absolutely zero motivation or purpose Uh, you don't care about any of these characters you don't care about anybody in this movie though that's like that's a big problem right there like i don't feel anything about any of the characters that are on on camera the entire course of this movie
0: no, I don't either. And that's, that, and I, I don't, I was just bored. I was bored to tears. I was just like, I mean, this, this movie, I mean, it, it suffers from one of the worst offenses a movie can be and it. That is, it's boring. Um, and it, it's it had no really right to be boring when you had such a you know, a, an interesting premise, and when you do see some of the bloodsuckers and stuff, if they would have focused more on that and, and all the than all this other stuff, you could have again salvaged it a little bit. Would it have been good? No, but fuck, this movie's terrible. We do get a scene where the doctors do explain to the general about the energy field from the atmosphere that's descended upon the town and has had weird effects on the on the townsfolk, and Ralph is staring off into space when you know BJ is like. Ralph, Ralph, you better explain. He's like, oh, and this is when he gives his little splee- spiel that he can barely get through as an actor. But he's like, it manifests itself as a gust of wind that's taken into the bodies of the victims through the respiratory system, causing them to bleed out. And then they turn into zombie bloodsuckers. And Harry is like, oh, bloodsuckers from outer space? And then we cut to this woman screaming hysterically, for at least 45 seconds, just screaming her fucking head off by herself. She looks like she's on the roof.
1: What is this about? Can you explain this to me? Somebody. Um, I don't know, but I was I was really anticipating that she would at least come back as a running gag, but it's never revisited. It's very... Very weird. I almost feel like they had some B-roll or something laying around of a woman screaming, and they're like, "Let's use it." Uh, so weird. It, it 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 is very apparent that the actor playing Ralph is on drugs over the course of this whole scene. Absolutely, and it's clear that whoever sat down and wrote the dialogue for the scientists was like probably copying it like word for word verbatim from like a textbook. They probably got it there in the high school they were filming. In. Um, because th- th- nobody in this film, nobody delivering the dialogue can even remotely like pronounce some of the jargon that they're saying. <laughs> it's so clear that the actors saying said dialogue had absolutely zero clue about what they were talking about. And they're like stumbling through lines. They have like, blank expression in their eyes. They're probably reading cue cards <laughs> from behind the camera. But it's just, it's so uncomfortable. And the dialogue, like, every once in a while in this movie, you'll get, like, a monologue or something. Where, like, people give, are giving these really big, like, speeches in this film. And, like, the actors are just not capable of handling this dialogue at all.
0: Now, I wonder what the audition process for this film was. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. Well, because call your friends, call your family. I think that's what I want.
1: <laughs> At Kate. <laughs> that's,
0: I mean, that could be admirable, but God, but, the, but this woman screams, but then there's this moment where it seems like the doctors and everybody can hear it. Cause they're like looking around, but Sanders is like, what should we do? And the doctor, the female doctor says she has this like two year plan as how she's going to, has four steps, how they can be. And he's like, no, fuck that. We're going to nuke them. And he pulls out his gun. He's like, "We got weapons. We're gonna use them."
1: And this is his thing—the whole, the whole rest of the movie. I mean, he is hell bent from the moment you meet him. This guy is ready to nuke something, um, and, and he follows through with it eventually.
0: I do like after this general's bullshit, they decide that the sci- the scientists decide they're gonna go get drunk. They're like, "Fuck this! We're going to get drunk."
1: <laughs> yeah, the scientists are really prominent for like a chunk of it, and then they like they quickly dispose of these characters. Like they, as soon as they're done being plot points and, and giving exposition, they get rid of these fuckers, but at least they get to go out wasted.
0: Okay. Here's the thing. Ralph stays behind. He doesn't go with them. And remember Ralph is the main protagonist's brother. So while he is alone in the hospital room, he goes over to Dr. Pace uh, who is laying still strapped to the gurney and he's like yelling and he's like, hey, you blood, zombie bloodsucker, get up. And there's no response. So he takes a bag of plasma and is like teasing him with it. Still no response. He gets close to him, kind of puts his head down, realizes that he's dead he or thinks he's dead. So what does he do? He proceeds to unstrap him. And then he goes and gets some gloves, gets a scalpel and leans in to cut the Dr. Pace's throat. When all of a sudden Dr. Pace comes alive and in the most awkwardly edited death scene ever, I'm assuming he stabs the scalpel into Ralph because all we see is like it cuts to the floor. and We just see blood dripping and I'm assuming we know Ralph dies because we see it later, but like, I guess my point is this character was set up to be something so much bigger because it's, um, It's Jeff's brother and, you know, and he's mentioned numerous times, but then this is his demise. It's like very like,
1: oh, wah, wah. It didn't have to be his character either. There's like several scientists they could have picked from and let him have like more of a moment. It doesn't feel impactful. It's also, it truly is like one of the most awkwardly cut kill scenes I've ever seen. There's absolutely no reaction or response. There's no struggle. Like the ghoul... The blood sucker like looks up at him, and then he looks down, and he's just like, "Oh!" And then you just cut to the shot of his feet, and it's not even like you see his feet kicking or anything. You just see like a very steady, like it's very it's like just flow of blood, <laughs> like it's just like this like trickle of blood. Like it's not like I mean, if someone's like stabbed, you're gonna see it like splattering all over and spraying all over and everything. This is just like. Very like smoothly, like trickles down to the ground in like a nice little pool. It's just such a weird moment. I don't understand what they're even going for with it. Um, but yeah, it was it was such a, an awkward plot point to like introduce him as a sibling and just get rid of him right away. I, I feel like they could have done so much more with that character.
0: They should have done so much more. Like I said, it could have been a driving uh, force for, for Jeff to try to, you know, have to go save his brother. I don't know. It just... Again, like so many things in this film, it's introduced and then it's not important. So after Jeff and Julie have sex, we talked about their sex scene. They actually go to his uncle's house for that dinner. And his uncle is under a tractor. We don't see him. And he's acting really, really weird. He is saying he feels great because he found some answers to everything in life. And he he knows that soon, he says, Jeff, soon you're going to know everything too. And it's going to feel great. Jeff is like, you're acting fucking weird. I'm going to go in and see Aunt Kate. Is she inside? And he says, yeah, she's inside. She's making dinner. So they, him and Julie go into the house but before they go in the house, he's like, Julie, you wait out here because I think something's wrong. And she's like, no, your uncle's a fucking nutcase. I'm not waiting out here. And I'm like, well, how do you gather? I mean, yeah, he was acting weird, but I wouldn't gather that he was a like a, a nutcase or anything from that. And it's like really weird because they think Jeff thinks that because of the way his uncle was talking that he must have murdered aunt Kate, because he's like, you need to stay out here because he might've chopped her up with an ax or something. And I I need you to be out here. I'm like, well, how are you jumping to this conclusion that he killed? You've grew up with these people. They raised you. And because he's under a tractor saying, oh, you're going to feel good here soon. You think he, you, he chopped his wife up with an ax. Julie isn't having any of it. She runs inside and literally we see the entire living room is covered from floor to ceiling in blood. So she calls Jeff in His immediate reaction is, oh my God, how could he have done this? Poor Aunt Kate. And then all of a sudden we hear Aunt Kate's voice from the kitchen. It's like, Jeff, is that you? Oh, you're here for dinner. (laughs) And she comes out.
1: I am. I'm amazed at how cordial she manages to continue to be. Even in the form of a, a blood sucking freak like Kate, Aunt Kate is never at all threatening or intimidating. Uh, there are times that she's standing right behind Julie, and just like listening to the conversation. She's like, she could easily just be like, "I'm gonna chomp on this girl." She doesn't. She waves them goodbye when they leave. I mean, she is just pleasant to the very end.
0: Well, she offers to give Julie a, a good spaghetti recipe too. Oh
1: my god, she's just so pleasant. And like, really, like, if this is if this is the, the level of threat that I'm dealing with, it definitely seems like uncle joe is is a problem but he's been kind of cuckoo bananas from the the get-go he's kind of like a conspiracy theorist so it doesn't seem like any different from anything else he's been saying already so yeah when they go inside like there's a moment where there's blood all over the walls could be a thing should be a thing very understated reaction she just saunters out (laughs) that wig on just looks right out she's like oh yeah
0: her blue makeup now, she's painted blue. <laughs> she's
1: like, oh, I knew you we were coming for dinner. I am like, she's not so pleasant with that southern drawl.
0: <laughs> but, but here, isn't that the problem, though? Is like you 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 hit the nail on the head. These zombies aren't aren't intimidating. Like, it doesn't, because you become a bloodsucker, it does not turn you into, like, a ravenous monster like we see in Return of the Living Dead or Night of the Living Dead. They're... Some of these monsters are very pleasant, even like Sam later on with Pam. They're very they don't really try to it's not like they it's not like they have lost control and now are just like mindless blood sucking monsters who are going to attack anything. They're having conversations. They're baking pies. They're offering spaghetti recipes. I mean, how? uh, So it's not scary. Oh, God. We, when we do this remake, Roger, we have our cast all picked out already. Oh,
1: my God. We've been casting it all week. <laughs> it's
0: going to be a who's who of indie horror. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Literally, though. If ever – if you know, you see all these other filmmakers going out and making obscure remakes of really, like, low-budget films that nobody's ever seen. Let me get my hands on this one. I'll tell you right now. You don't, You don't even have to rewrite the script. I know <laughs> – that I am more capable of making a movie than the people involved in this project. God love them. I tip my hat to them, but like, oh my God, there's just so much potential in some of these moments, and it's just wasted. Ugh.
0: Well, they run out when they see that Kate is, you know, now a monster, they run out of the house and they run into Uncle Joe, who now is like aggressively like growling and coming after him. There's this whole conversation where Uncle Joe tells Jeff that he needs to stay there because it's his destiny to become a a, a bloodsucker as well, and the, the urge is going to come over him, and all he's going to want to do is suck, suck, suck. That's how the actor delivers the line, and Jeff is like, "You need to make up your mind first. You didn't want me to be a, I know, first you didn't want me to be a, a a photographer. Now you want me. Then you wanted me to be a
1: a farmer. Now you want me to be a bloodsucker." This could be a moment in which maybe one of these creatures is in some way intimidating but like then you have Jeff bringing up his like personal like issues with his uncle like <laughs> not supporting his career and I'm like this is not the time not just like for you as the character but tonally in general like this is not the time to bring up this material like this is a moment of what should be fear Like, they are reacting to a lot of things. They're reacting to a massacre in a a living room. They're reacting to finding out that their relatives are now infected with this blood-sucking virus. And then they're reacting to the fact they're now being physically attacked as well. And everything is so fucking, like, blah-zay. Until you then bust into this goddamn martial arts sequence. Like, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we got fucking Jeff (laughs) scissor-kicking... Uncle joe, uncle joe to the face out of nowhere and i'm like
0: whoa he says i'm sick of this and yeah he kicks and then we get this very poorly poorly choreographed kung fu fight with the most inappropriate like banjo country music playing over it and all all julie can sit there and do is she's like
1: oh well and looking then, then the then camera. He's hanging up behind her and just like watch <laughs> just watching things unfold it's just like i mean the they, fuck? They're
0: swinging from tree branches, kicking each other. There's this point where, you know, uh, Joe kicks Jeff onto the ground. Jeff gets up. They struggle. Jeff actually throws Uncle Joe against the, tr- the the garage. And there's this moment, again, breaking the fourth wall, where Jeff looks right at the camera and does this like eye, like eyebar raise, like, like he's, oh, look at me. And then he takes a saw and cuts Joe's hand off. And Joe's like, you cut my fucking arm off. I don't understand the point of like having the, like telling the actor, okay, look at the camera and raise your eyebrows real, you know, like real, what is the, what was the point of that?
1: Well, and there's just like inconsistencies in general, like out the wazoo, like there's moments where these things like are like, like kind of like stumbling, like zombies, like. You know, you have this whole moment coming up here where they they drive away and the the aunt and uncle just kind of, like, stumble after them. But then you have other moments where, like, you know, you got this fucker doing goddamn martial arts and jumping all around and doing kicks and shit. And I just – I don't even know what these things, like – like, what are their actual, like, abilities? Like, some of them seem like they're mute and just growling. Other ones are having very elaborate monologues. Like, this whole spiel that the uncle gives here, like – very wordy um i do feel like the creatures take on like when they're when they become taken over or possessed by this this alien gust (laughs) like this wind that takes them over it seems like they almost like their personalities do change and they become very like eloquent and like elegant with their words and very like big and uh, all their speeches are very like, oh, powerful and, oh, and all-knowing and intelligent. Um, but again, that's not really explored enough. I don't really understand like what is happening to these people other than they turn blue and they become bloodthirsty.
0: I mean, I don't think there was any plan on it. So again, it goes back to a terrible script. I think we're thinking about this way more than the scriptwriter did, <laughs> which is a problem. But uh, yeah, so uh, Jeff cuts off Uncle Joe's arm. Him and Julie take off running. There's this moment where, yeah, Uncle Joe and, and, and Aunt Kate fall, <laughs> walk out to the end of the driveway and Kate's waving bye to him. Uncle's sitting there holding his arm. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, yeah. And that's the last we see of Kate and her wig. She goes out in style, offering poor Julia's uh, spaghetti recipe. The
1: least threatening way possible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got a spaghetti recipe I really think you'll love. Uh, So Harry, we cut back to General Sanders. Harry, his sidekick, is telling him that there's uh, weird activities happening in these counties in Texas. And he thinks it's linked to the bloodsuckers. And his idea is that they send some troops into the town to investigate but they pick the most expendable ones that it what, what, won't matter if they die or not. Like, what the fuck? And they pick the stupidest fucking three people. I mean, how ignorant are these three guys that they send into this town?
1: Well, you don't meet them until the final 20 minutes of the movie. Like, it's just another batch of characters that get introduced. I think they're trying to aim for like a certain level of like commentary here. Like, I feel like they're trying, like what they're saying about like, oh, these are the ones that were drafted. Like, these are the ones that nobody's going to care about. I think that's what they're aiming for. But like, obviously, they're not competent enough writers to really get that across. But there's like a hint of it. There's a hint of that there.
0: Again, I think that these, these, this, whoever wrote this thinks they're way smarter and funnier than what they really are. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of potential that they could have done if they were trying to make some sort of social commentary on the the military and drafting and and people being drafted to their deaths or whatever sent to their deaths that could have been interesting but it's not explored Uh, Jeff and Julie go to this random house so that he can make a phone call. Uh, Julie says she's going to stay outside where it's safer, but then she is immediately attacked by this bloodsucker who was just sucking on a dead sh- uh, sheep.
1: Which was really a very like alive sheep. Do you notice that it was like just a sheep laying on its side, like, laying there, breathing?
0: They put some red food coloring on it. I'm like, I oh.
1: I think they tied the sheep's like <laughs> the sheep's legs together so that it's just like it's stuck there, like like hog tied on the ground. Just, but you can see the things breathing. I mean, it makes for actually a very Interesting visual when you think about it, but yeah, that poor sheep.
0: But Julie's attacked by him, and at the at the same moment, Jeff comes out and he is able to grab just this random chainsaw laying there and cuts the cuts the zombie's head off. And then we get this moment where we do get this decapitated body like st- standing in the yard trying to grab people. That that I mean, it was probably the best part of the film. I was just like, whatever. <laughs>
1: I mean, but like it's it's they like leave the shot lingering on this thing, and it's not like there's any like <laughs> it's not like it's like a creative sequence. It's like a wide shot of like just the thing like waddling around, uh, but it's <laughs> it's fun. It's spraying blood all over. I mean, like okay, if you're gonna promise me blood, at least give me blood,
0: Jeff. So they take off him and him and Julie take off, and he suggests that they go to Research City where his brother Ralph works because maybe his brother will have answers since he is a researcher. Now there's this moment where the drunk doctors get back to the hospital and they find Ralph laying on the gurney and they're drunk so they think that you know he's just like passed out they're like oh you look terrible Ralph and they they turn around and Dr. Pace is there and he confronts them and says we have some business to discuss
1: Ooh one thing I really wish I wish I wish is that this film would have considered letting dr pace be a more prominent villain figure because i will say if there are any performances or line deliveries or moments in general that seem that they're handled by a somewhat competent performer for the most part it's it's these few moments that dr pace has including this one monologue that he has coming up here the last moment that you see him is actually quite effective all things considered for what we're getting from this thing um so you've got this this character who's honestly like perfect for being a major antagonist he's the first individual we see who we know has been infected with this virus he is obviously like conscious and aware and like sentient like whatever this force is that's taken over the body you do realize like he has a personality and he's menacing and he's got this big booming voice and like this could have carried through the whole movie and made for an effective story arc completely just thrown away like he has this one moment coming up here where he has this big moment and then poof, he's thrown to the wind and like you never see him again and you're like like what the fuck like what is your end game here like obviously i guess the military is supposed to be the real villain but like who who is the main nemesis who is the the big boss if you will you know
0: Well, and for all of these zombies sitting there saying how much Jeff is going to... Like they all, the whole thing is they, every, every one of them that runs into Jeff tells him that he's going to be one of them, but none of them try to like convert him. Like there's not a moment where they go after him and try to like suck his blood or anything or turn him in. No, they just like, they give him, they delivered large monologues to Jeff gets three large monologues delivered to him in this film about how he's going to become one of these zombies and he's going to love it. And he's going to suck Julie to death. Three, three, three by three different people, but nobody ever tries to, do anything to him and he's never like in danger um it's i don't know because here's the thing jeff and julie show up at the rec- they were able to get in real easy okay so what happened to the security guard that like would was refusing to let people in if they didn't have a passport or a password julie and jeff just wander right in sauna right in they're in there and of course they run into uh uh norman who tells them Place is full of weirdos. And Jeff's like, well, I'm here to see my brother, Ralph. Ralph, he's a weirdo. So we get more weirdo talk.
1: Well, yeah. And then there's this moment where they hear like a noise and they like all turn and react. And then they look back and Ralph is gone. And where did he go? That's the last you ever see of him like if you're going to introduce a character like this and name him Ralph it's obviously like a crazy Ralph ripoff for like a Friday the 13th something like that he's that character that's always predicting doom you're all doomed but like he's never back he never comes back you never see him again he could have he could have been a character that you know teamed up with the ragtag group or they could have done something with him you could see him die horribly I don't give a fuck why introduce a character like this and not have any fucking like closure moment. Like you come back to him like three or four times. Why wouldn't you at least show the character die or something? I'm so confused.
0: I don't know. Well, we don't really see anybody die horribly in this film, honestly. I mean, so they, they, they. Ralph, or Norman's gone. So they go down the hallway towards where they found the, uh, or they heard the noise and they go into this room and it's like an auditorium. This is the high school auditorium. Cause this is definitely an auditorium. And we have Dr. Pace on the stage and he's giving this, he's delivering this monologue about how they finally find a place. And first they must find the knowledge of pleasure and pain. And then he notices Jeff, how he knows who Jeff is is beyond me, but he's like, Oh Jeff, you're here. You will be one of us soon. You're going to learn the pain of hunger, and then you're going to want to suck the life out of Julie. And then they notice all of the doctors, including Ralph, his brother, are dead in the front row. And again, talk about lack of reaction. You you're, you see your brother's dead body there, and you have zero reaction. None. Zero.
1: There's no sadness no anger no emotional response and at any point they never like come back to it and let him use it as like a fuel for him to want to get vengeance or whatever like it's not at all incorporated into his character's emotional journey and it just feels really jarring um i will say that this is the moment that i feel like this monologue that the doctor is giving for a moment is somewhat effective and even the way they like light it, like it's all very shadowed, and then the doctor steps out into the light and you see him in his like in his jacket and everything with blood running down him and he's very pale. The visual for a moment is actually creepy. Um, but like it's it's just it's reaching for something, but it never fully grasps and it never really, really gels. Um, yeah, it just it's it's close to being scary, but it's not.
0: No, no, but it is it is quite effective. And you're right. The delivery of the monologue is, is very, I don't want to say it's, it's decent. It's like a network, you know, the movie network, which is full of monologues. It kind of reminded me of like, Ed, uh, Ned Beatty's monologue and network. Now I'm not comparing, <laughs> trust me, not that level, but just like, it's one of those types of monologues that you would expect in like a Patty Shishevsky Shis- movie. Uh, and it, it, it's lit really well and everything, but yeah, it just goes nowhere. We don't see anything from the doctor ever again. The, the two, Jeff and Julie, run away. They get in the car. As they're driving, they run out of gas. And they have to spend the night in the car. And Jeff's like, oh, can you scoot over closer to me? And she's like, oh, I can't. The gear shift's in the way. He's like, oh, that's not the gear shift.
1: Wah, 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 Now is not the time, Jeff. It is not no, the time. No, you
0: just saw your brother dead. You just saw your brother dead and you're one, you have a boner? Like, come on. Come
1: on mourn a little bit, Jesus. Also, let's acknowledge that there's literally, like, no nighttime footage in this movie. And, like, no. there could have been, like, you know, ooh, like, this, that's scary. These things running around at night. Clearly, these fuckers didn't know how to even light accordingly. Because uh, I don't think there's any lighting over the course of this whole movie. It's all done by, like, you know... Cloudy, overcast daylight, thus being very flat. They totally dodge having any any incorporation or involvement of night scenes at all.
0: I will say, I will give them credit for that because they knew their limitations. They knew they 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 understood they didn't have the budget for it, and it would look terrible. Even though lots of the film looks terrible, I will applaud them for not giving us night scenes because you know they would have looked like trash. Right? <laughs> They've been so bad. So in the morning, Jeff wakes up and says he's going to go find gas. Julie joins him. She's like, she doesn't mind walking. But as they start to walk, she's like, oh, my God, look at this barren wasteland. So they're, we're treated to about a three-minute scene of them just walking through the barren land of Texas. It goes on forever. They're walking past barns, houses. I'm like, oh, my God, get to the point.
1: <laughs> it's, just, it's just music and just like, a, like dead trees for like three minutes straight. And you're like, why am I getting a montage of like this, of this? Like you could, you could get them from point A to point B real easy. (laughs) Just do a, do a a cross dissolve or something. No, you see the whole journey.
0: (laughs) It's the journey of Natty Gan times 12. I mean, it's just going on forever, but they finally get to that, to the town. They get to an Exxon station. Uh, Julie fills up a gas can and, Jeff calls Sam, who's the officer from earlier in the film. And we cut to Sam who is under the covers. People in this film have sex in the strangest way. Like, can we not just have some good old fashioned doggy style or missionary? He's under the sheets with his bra and he's like, oh, scoot over to the left. Oh, oh it's right there. Oh, no. Put your leg up there. Oh, I'm like, just what the fuck? And finally, he answers the phone. And Jeff tells him that something weird is going on. He's going to come over to the house in a half hour to, to talk to him about it. So now, now Sam is like, Oh Pam, we can't finish. Uh, we got, we got to get out of bed. Cause Jeff's coming over and she's like, Oh, and she plops up under the seats, her big old saggy tits hanging down to her navel, <laughs> And she's like, Oh, I'm going to, how can't we just, don't we have time? He's like, no, but we can take a shower. Oh, good. And he's like, yeah, we can get the the ducky. This broad gets out of bed. Her tits are hanging out to her knees. She's in this black lingerie, high heels. I'm like, what the fuck were you doing in bed? Well, and what, he's wearing what, a little like jockstrap looking thing.
1: He's wearing like a little T-bar. Like I was like, what's going on here? And I will say this. If anyone is even remotely close to being eye candy, in my opinion, it's a Sam. So I was like, I'll take it where I can get it in this thing. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like throw me a fucking bone here. Um... My thing about this moment: you got Sam, you got Pam. So, like, I mean, maybe Sam, not Pam, to... Jeff, Julie. I... Oh my god, it's so overwhelming! All of the names—they all start to blur together. But Sam, at least we had like a specific moment with Sam earlier. I wish he was in the thong the whole time, but I'll take it. Um, we had a scene with him. It was established that he and Jeff are friends, and that's why he's giving Jeff information for the newspaper. And then you don't see him again until this scene. Pam. I, I do not know who this woman is. Like, I don't know. Like, up to, she has not been in the movie at all. We're about 20 minutes out by the, fin- the finale, by the way. Like, we're coming up on the end of the film here soon. We're introduced to Pam. We're introduced to her misshapen nipples. We're very thrown off by this, very uncomfortable. Like, I've never seen sex scenes in movies that are less sensual. Like, there is no sexuality to anything going on here. But you do get these jugs. They're flopping all over the place, and they go take a shower. This whole thing that happens in the shower, again, if we're going to try to give credit for trying something, trying to pull something off, this wind is never scary. But this whole moment that's coming up here with them getting basically possessed by the force in the shower is kind of fun you get to see his fanny up against the plastic that's cute like a little apple fanny they're puking blood up all over this guy's got to be a homosexual by the way that that mustache it looks like my mustache like he has a very gay porn mustache those
0: underwear are not something a straight man is gonna wear i'm sorry i'm sorry i feel sorry. like
1: they called him to set and
0: that's just what he had on and they're like well
1: <laughs> we're gonna have to roll with this guy's sitting here in a tea bar t-bar i'll take it
0: They're like, Andrew Christian, yeah, T-Bar Jocks. I'm like, no, no, no way this dude is. But no, yeah, so we get blood splashed against the shower curtain, and that's that. Uh, In the meantime, as Jeff and and Julie are trying to leave the gas station, there's a zombie on the roof that throws what is very clearly a dummy. (laughs) <laughs> we've we've seen some bad dummies in movies, Roger. We've seen To All A Good Night. We've seen this is this takes the cake. This, this,
1: this takes the cake. cake. It's like well it's not even like, you know, they they hear like, uh and they look up above them. And it's not like he's like lifting like for a moment. You never see a shot where there is a live body double. It's always a mannequin. It's very clearly a mannequin. Like this, this man that he's holding is not moving at all. He's very still and wooden. He throws him; the legs are limp in the air. <laughs> it just hits the ground like a, like a bag of potatoes. <laughs> like just uh, and, and and they barely react to it. <laughs> yeah, well, Julie,
0: Julie's like, oh, that's gross.
1: Oh my God, it's so weird.
0: And they take off. But you notice she leaves the gas can behind, but they're still able to get to the car
1: and get to Sam's house. Ooh, like, you found, look at you finding all these little flubs. I'm shocked that they made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're shocked they didn't get that. Yeah, I'm, I can't believe uh, it. That someone
1: wasn't there doing continuity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now we get these three military men who have made it into this town. I will say, as as uh, as Jeff and Julie pull away after this mannequin is thrown violently at them, the uh, we do do get a, like a horde of zombies finally because so far we've only seen like one or two of them. Now we see a whole bunch like come out of the town and like chase them as they're driving away. And they're, There's a whole bunch of them. Okay, so now these military men show up and they're, they're they have their guns and they're going through the town when this zombie temptress. <laughs>
1: This, this siren
0: <laughs> in this white dress. <laughs> saunters
1: onto the can, onto the screen. Who is she?
0: <laughs> she's blue. She's clearly a zombie, and she's able to like. She's like, guys, if you come over here, I got something you're gonna
1: like. Oh, and they do. Oh, they f- how do they not smitten with her? What? Well, it's like, okay, it's not like she's, like, walking out in, like, lingerie with her fucking, like, knockers pushed all up. She walks onto the set looking like she's straight out of, like, a Celine Dion, circa 1993 kind of wind machine. I mean, her, her gown is blowing. She doesn't look sexy. She looks, like, ethereal. It's very weird. Um, and, yeah, she's, like, luring them with her long sleeves. And it's But it's, like, it's, again, it's a moment, like, in a capable in the hands of a very, like, capable filmmaker, probably could be a really cool sequence, but, like, not here. Um, and, yeah, these guys are, like, okay with it, even though she's got blood running down her face and her, her the makeup on her, her, like, her face isn't properly blended with her neck, so, like, there's, like, discoloration all over. Um, but, okay. And, like, this whole moment here, Cause you did have that moment earlier with the horde where they ran out and you actually saw like one of the things get hit by a car where they like sped up the footage it was very obvious, but again, at least they're trying. <laughs> These are the moments I expect from a film with the title "Bloodsuckers from, from outer space. It's just something I would anticipate. I need some horde sequences. Um, they the horde sequences in this film are extremely limited like they only have these extras i'm thinking for maybe 3 hours max um because it's it's the scene with the car and then this sequence here you see all these things come on out and you know basically mob and attack these guys but boy is it brief boy is it brief
0: oh it's brief they yes yeah, as, as they're walking across the street towards this zombie siren they the, all the hordes come out and attack and we do see like one 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 little zombie kid gets out of the crowd. and He's carrying like one of the guy, one of the army men's arms, and then we see this little girl come out of the phone booth.
1: This little chubby dumpling, like getting all excited. They're probably like holding a candy cane for her or something, luring her to the camera. Uh, she has no idea what's going on. She's all painted blue. Uh, yeah, you know. Again, this makes me think back to mutant again. Like, remember how like when we were watching mutant, we're like, wow, we're like really pleas- pleasantly surprised here, but they're really utilizing like that finale they sure utilize like all of the fucking creatures they had. And it made for that town to really feel like it was being overtaken by these things. This, it just, it's, you don't get enough of it. It's such a bummer because these are the moments I like the most in these films and you barely get anything at all.
0: No, this is it. This is it. I mean, this is it. This is the last scene of like the horde of me. And it's so quick, so quick. So, Harry is back at General Sanders' place and he tells General Sanders that they lost contact with the military men, so that they must have fallen victim to the bloodsuckers. And this is when Sanders gets it in his mind that he wants to nuke the place because it's the only way to get rid of them. Jeff and Julie go to Sam's place and they go in the house, and Sam and Pam are now bloodsuckers, and Pam gets. Gets some nice dialogue here. She's like, you, you know, she's talking to him. She's a zombie. She's, she's like blocking the front door. And again, this is another piece of dialogue where Sam is telling Jeff that he's going to be one of us. You're going to be one of us soon, Jeff, and you're going to love it. And Julie is going to be your source of, of food. You're going to be able to suck the blood out of her. He's like, Julie, I wish I could eat you right now. She's like, you don't even know me. And then there's this moment where like Jeff prepares to like kick uh Sam and Julie looks right at the camera and she's like "Oh, I can't deal with another kung fu scene." And she like runs down the stairs, knocks Pam out of the way and they run out of the house and that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the encounter.
1: This whole moment is so lazy i really feel like at the time that they were finally filming this sequence i feel like they had several actors drop so pam got brought in out of nowhere she's now a villain pam's you're right she's got a whole moment here and she's really just eating it up she's standing there she's wearing you notice she's in like um like she's wearing like a police uniform so i'm assuming she's one of the fellow policemen she's never had a scene prior what happened to the fucking um sheriff by the way eating his ribs Why isn't he at the seat? Bring him out. He seemed important. But no, we got Pam. She's being all intimidating, talking about how she's going to fucking take over, you know, uh, fucking Jeff's body and making sure he's drinking blood and Sam's all into it. They've all gotten completely dressed, by the way, which seems like a weird thing for these things to do. They're aliens, so I didn't think they cared about such things, but they're in completely different outfits. And Sam is like giving this whole big monologue and he's, he's really leaning into it. And it's just like, the way that they're delivering this dialogue is just not at all scary. In fact, it seems like they're kind of like making, they're like making an offer to Jeff. And Jeff's just like, I want nothing to do with this. And so then this whole gag happens, like you said, with uh, with Julia being like, no fucking way. We're not doing another Kung Fu moment. Thank God that someone has some common sense. And then she fucking runs, you're right, she runs it. At Pam, and and she just like fucking right looks her in the face. Like, it's just like out of fucking nowhere. And it's like she totally does not make contact with her in the shot. But I find it even more entertaining that she just out of nowhere just books at this fucking monster and just fucking punches it in the face. She drops like a, a sack of potatoes again. Pam drops, they run out to the car, nobody chases them. It doesn't seem very high stakes. Like, no, nobody's pursued them this entire time. They only come upon these things by happenstance. And like they try to, like, convince Jeff to, like, join them. Jeff always says no. And they're like, OK, it's up to him. It's his call.
0: They, they take no very easily for an answer. They're like, oh, OK, whatever. And Jeff's just able to escape. We get this moment where we see the White House and Sanders calls the president of the United States, who is in the Oval Office, <laughs> with this blonde, this and blonde sitting on his lap the entire time, you know, she's like, I don't know, she's just into this old man. He's the president apparently. And Sanders is begging him to let him drop a nuclear bomb on this area. And the president is like, absolutely not. We cannot bomb our own country. And General Sanders is like, well, it's hardly anybody lives in that area of Texas anyways. And he's like, no, we're not doing it you can't, you know, I'm the president of the United States. The The asses voted for, I mean, the masses voted for me. And Sanders is like, well, there's not going to be any masses left if these bloodsuckers get spread any further. So what does the president do? He finally agrees. He's like, okay, so if I let you drop this bomb, will you quit calling me and leave me alone?
1: <laughs> My problem here is that this is not how These things happen. We know that, Roger. (laughs) Like I'm saying, let me give me a minute. Give me a minute. I don't know who these fuckers think they're making movies for, but I mean, you gotta at least do your goddamn fucking homework. Like, first of all, I definitely don't think that the instructions to drop a nuclear bomb uh, are being handled from somebody's like little office like dinky little office like the office they use for this fucking generals like main office is like somebody's like work office it's so fucking lame it's got like cheap blinds in it it looks so tacky i'm like this decision would be made in a very fancy boardroom i think like you know half a mile underground where a bunch of important people are getting together talking about dropping fucking nuclear bombs i mean They're like, he's like, well, just make it a little one. Make sure it's a little one. This is a nuclear bomb. Like, there's nothing little about, (laughs) like, I don't care how you shake it. There's nothing little about the aftermath that this is going to cause on the country. Like, this is such a big deal. And it's such a, like, a passive topic for the president who was very distracted by this line sitting on his lap.
0: He just wants a hand job. So he's like, yeah, I'll just drop it. Just make it small. Yeah. I mean, again, it's the comedy element that's injected that, that it's just not funny. Like it's not funny. Um, You know, I I don't know what they were trying to go for, but it it fails in every possible respect. You know, what we get then is Jeff and Julie, they're driving. They don't know where to go. And Jeff's like, I don't, I, anywhere I go, they're going to follow me. They want me. Well, it doesn't really seem that way because they're not really coming after you. Um, but all of a sudden, as they're stopped at the stop sign, the wind picks up, and it's you know it's it is literally somebody with a leaf blower. You're right, spraying hose in the car with the, leaf. <laughs> and they're like rolling the windows up and like they're they're covering their faces. And Jeff is like you know flailing around until he a- he accidentally pulls the hose out of the nitrix gas tank, and apparently this causes the wind to stop and go away. And Julie's response is. Oh, my God, Jeff, you neutralized the force. You saved mankind.
1: If this is saving mankind, this is the least exciting conclusion possible. Like, it's not even like you have moments where you sense like the wind is chasing after them. You've no way established like this. You could have just shown wind coming through the trees. You could have even been lazy and like, I mean, give me a happening esque scenario where you see the trees just billowing imply the presence of something um, villain somehow some way you don't see it at all you never see this this force or whatever it is pursuing him unless it's in the form of the bloodsuckers who've already been taken over it by it so when you finally have this moment where it attacks the car you as the viewer you're like what? where the where the fuck did that come from like okay i've barely seen anything to do with this wind and all of a sudden they're getting attacked by it when you realize that this is like the finale, the conclusion, like when you see like the shots of her in the car it is so <laughs> and her hair is blown, you, you're right. Like, you know, someone just standing there with a leaf blower, they're just like, like, getting like, like <laughs> blasted in the face. It's so lame. Um, And they're so, it's so easily disposed of. And like, thank God she had that fucking nitrous can in her car. Like, what are the chances of that? But, you don't even expect that this is the ending. Like, you really, like, nothing at all prepared me for thinking this was the conclusion, like, this was about to climax. It doesn't feel like it at all. And even Jeff's like, oh, oh, okay. And they just start, like, making out in celebratory fashion. And this is, like, building up to what is now, like, a very, (laughs) like, from having the least climactic finale possible it sure is like set off with quite like a grand moment of like <laughs> slow like kissing and bombs dropping like what happens after this is honestly i kind of think the best part of the movie
0: well okay so we're supposed i guess we just buy that it was the nitrix gas that now Killed the wind, so the but what the, all the zombies are still alive, so it didn't really she he really didn't save mankind, but whatever. Yeah, they have this elaborate kiss. He's like, oh, I'll shuck. and he has his all oh, moment. In the meantime, yeah, President or General Sanders is launching the bomb. He he has this, he's like, oh, I think he's sitting behind these computers, and he's like, oh, I think I have my coordinates right, and. Uh, his Harry is like sir you cannot drop a nuclear bomb on the country and he like pulls his gun out and points at his hair he's like you shut your fucking mouth right now we're gonna get rid of these and he he launches the nuclear bomb and like literally you get this moment of of jeff and julie in the middle of the field like kiss, kissing passionately and it is intercut with what is obvious <laughs> <stop> footage <him. laughs> obvious of mushroom clouds exploding
1: (laughs) but hear me on this hear me i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna say about this fucking ending so first of all they spent their whole budget on those three computers you know (laughs) those three white computers that he's working on that's the budget of the movie right there but then you've got this whole moment where you've got this very very 80s ballad kick in but like the song sounds better than the quality of the movie like i'm gonna say this 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 track that they're playing it's like it's kind of like building up and you have all this like very very like yes you're right blatantly obvious stock footage of nuclear bombs going off intercut with these really passionate makeout shots between the two of them and it almost feels like strange it feels like a John Hughes movie or something like the tone is so off But I was like getting into it. I was like, how like climactic, like the light, like you see them making out and the screen goes really bright as the bomb hits. And then you see these very exaggerated mushroom clouds. Like, I don't know if they're in the the wake of this this explosion we never find out if these two are consumed by the blast like i don't
0: i'm assuming (laughs) that was my question are we are we to assume that they were killed in the nuclear bomb blast because we don't see them again and what we do find out because then it cuts to uh harry back with general sanders and he tells um he's like general sanders that bomb exploded on a methodist camp 60 miles away from where any of the bloodsuckers were sighted. And he like, you, you made a horrible mistake. And he like jumps on general Sanders is like choking him and stuff. He's like, we're both going to be shot for this. And then it casually cuts back to the little town with the gas station, the Exxon station we've seen. And we just see these blood zombies going about their day. They're, they're sitting out on the, you know, they're sitting there having their coffee. They're reading their newspapers. Zombie women are pushing their zombie babies around in strollers. <laughs> and then the song kicks in the, the, the same song the opening credit song is this
1: they want blood and that's the movie's ending if they would have leaned into like the the tone and the vibe and the overall like i uh, something about the last like five minutes of this movie i actually thought entertaining and, and, and i feel like this whole thing with these bloodsuckers like basically creating their own like town I don't know if they took over the world but you do get this like crane shot the movie opens and closes on the only crane shots in the whole fucking film um so at least there's a moment of motion in this other very stagnant film where there's no motion whatsoever um but you do have this like kind of sweeping crane shot of the town with all these like bright blue bloodsuckers just like going about their daily business and I was like this is there is like there's an idea here like again there's like something here i would have actually liked to have seen explored that these things are like taking over and just kind of almost like invasion of the body snatchers in a way they're creating their own lives um totally never explored until the final shot of the movie i didn't even know these things were capable of living normal like this i thought these things were completely like taken over by this presence and And I don't know what the fuck's going to happen to him. I don't know anything about this disease. It's never explained to me, you know? So it was such a, like a unique idea to end on. Um, I really wish they would have infused more of that into the film because my God, like this movie does not know the story it's trying to tell.
0: No, I mean, the only way this movie would work is if they would, it had to have been totally revamped because we've, we've sat there and said, there was all these different elements they should have explored differently in the film than what the film did. And unfortunately it, they did not and we get what we have and what we have is just it's uh, just an incoherent mess most of the time it j- jumps around from scene to scene there's no real focus um the the blood suckers from outer space are probably among the least focused on aspect of the entire film which is sad um and yeah this ending just left me with more questions than it did answers like what what's going on did jeff and julie die you know there's Obviously there'd be fallout from a nuclear bomb that's never even explored or mentioned, but it, yeah, the film just ends and I was happy that it ended. Uh, it's only an hour and 20 minutes, but let me tell you, it drags. <laughs> it, it feels like it's a lot longer than hour and 20 minutes. And that's, that's a shame. I mean, I, I can't, I can't recommend this film for any reason, to be honest with you. Um, it is probably the worst film we've covered on the podcast by far. And that's saying something because, like I said, we have covered Bloody Murder, but at least that has entertainment value to it. You know, we've covered Megan is missing, but at least Megan is missing knew what it was doing and had a very distinct intention. This film does not have any of that. It's all over the place. And there's nothing worse than – I'm sorry. There's just nothing worse than, than comedy that's not funny, Oh, especially in, a, especially in a horror movie. And this movie is replete with it. And, I mean – it doesn't help that the acting is atrocious um i don't know i i can't find any and i hate to say it but i can't find any redeeming quality in this film to like recommend it and i will god awful i will never watch it again that there's no
1: purpose to ever watch this film again
0: unless we remake it roger with our stellar cast that we have chosen
1: listen i fucking mean it if this is right up my fucking alley i would give me a, uh, even give me a small budget don't give me a lot just give me a give me a couple grand and I can I can shit something out that I promise is going to be light years ahead of this and and I am not saying that I'm a competent filmmaker either I'm just saying my God like all you need to know are the basic tools of how to frame a shot to you know outdo what the the schlock and just overall just like what a mess of a movie but um the the humor is awful the the, the script is you know there's a story there I'd be interested to hear it's just. It's it's not told by capable, competent writers, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm happy I saw it for the reasons I expressed earlier, um, and I'm happy we reviewed it. Uh, <laughs> like, I am happy that we covered it because it was honestly super fun talking about this movie. Uh, every once in a while, if you really, if you like, if you're somebody that likes to watch bad horror movies, I can't think of a better title. I mean, have yourself a blast. Like, if you want to see a movie that you know going into it is terrible and that's like what you're seeking out of the experience, this is for you. This film is definitely for you. But I mean if you're looking for anything that's remotely similar to a cinematic experience, like <sighs> pack a lunch.
0: Yeah, I would say there are definitely better or, or I wouldn't say better. I there are more entertaining bad movies you can watch. The the problem with this film is it's there's no entertainment value in it at all. Um Unless you find, unless you are somebody that finds the humor effective, I I did not. But you know, I mean, that's if you've seen this film, let us know your thoughts on it. If is there anybody out here that actually thinks this is a good film, we we definitely want to hear from you just to get your perspective. But you know, uh, after covering this, I feel like I need I need a palate cleanser, Roger. So do you want me to tell you what what my pick is for
1: next week? I I honestly have no idea. I don't think I know what the title is. It's exciting.
0: I'm going to tell you because it's it's I it's coming from our latest Patreon episode. Our latest Patreon episode, we counted down our top three. We don't want to say favorite found footage films, but top three found footage films that we we would suggest to people to watch. Uh, so that's on our Patreon. Some of you commented already with your with your list. Some of our patrons. If you're not a patron and you want to you want to know what what is on our list of top three found footage Uh, among like 30 other top three countdowns and like 26 full episodes of films we've covered on there, including like obsessed with Beyonce. And uh, we've done, we've done a lot on the Patreon. I can't even remember half the shit we've done. Check it out. Patreon.com slash dark night of the podcast. But our conversation had me thinking of a, a found footage film that I definitely think it's time for you to see. So what better time to choose it? And it's something that's the total opposite of Bloodsuckers from Outer Space. So we are going to cover, Roger, I'm going to have you watch the 2014 found footage style, mockumentary style film, Creep.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm all for this. I was hoping you would either say that or you would say, um, oh my God, what was your what was your number one choice again? I can't say. Oh my God, can't, you can't. Well, you know what? What, a be- what better segue for me to entice people to know? Because I was actually really hoping that you would pick that one eventually, too. I was really intrigued by it.
0: I'm going to. I'm going to. I, I think I'm going to tr- try to give attention to some of these lesser-known films yeah. from, indie, from indie artists. Because that's something that we, we've we covered. We've covered like Death Drop Gorgeous. We love those guys. Uh, but I think it, uh, something that would be cool to do is, is also cover some of these other indie films from filmmakers that are out there doing their thing, yeah, that, you know, cause we're, we're part of that community. So give their film some attention and yeah, yeah. That number one choice is definitely something I have on my, my list.
1: Good. So, Good.
0: But yeah, I, I want to start with creep because I know you haven't seen it. So I am very curious about your, what you'll think about. I'm it. very
1: excited. Do you ever think about how, like compared to when we started this podcast, like now, like looking, at how many movies we watch, how much like horror media we have consumed over the last couple of years, my knowledge of horror in general, like it was, I thought it was pretty extensive to begin with, but holy shit, there's so much I just hadn't released, realized I hadn't seen. And same with you, like there's titles where I just was like, oh, I'm surprised he doesn't know this, but like, holy shit, the volume of films that I probably would never seek out because of this podcast, I now have, you know, an opinion on, and and have you know consumed to the extent that i could probably recite some of these fucking movies um so yeah i think that's a really cool gift that we get to have uh, getting to do this as regularly as we do i appreciate that for sure so i'm very excited to watch this movie if you have it on a top three list i know it's got to be of a certain caliber
0: and guys i know it gets a lot of love but if you have not seen creep 2014 creep directed by patrick bryce starring mark mark duplass Please check it out before we, before our review next week, because it is one that I am definitely uh, excited to talk about. It's, it's a little bit more psychological than, and it will make you think a little bit more than bloodsuckers from outer space. Uh, So I'm excited to get, you know, get back to that. So yeah, that's our choice for next week. Um, Guys, thank you for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts on bloodsuckers from outer space. Uh, Check out our Patreon. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And with that, guys, we want your
1: blood, blood, blood. (laughs) Blood cells from outer space. (laughs) We need a soundtrack. We need a fucking song. If one of you wants to write a song for us, go ahead and write it. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: All right, guys. Good Night. night.